أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد باب كراهية عود الإنسان في هبة لم يسلمها إلى الموهوب إلى الموهوب له وفي هبة وهبها لولده وسلمها أو لم يسلمها وكراهية شرائي وكراهية شرائي شيئا تصدق به من الذي تصدق عليه أو أخرجه عن زكاة أو كفارة أو نحوها ولا بأس بشرائه من شخص آخر قد انتقل إليه وانتقل إليه The chapter regarding the detestability of a person taking back a gift uh, that uh, they didn't uh, uh, give to their or that, that hasn't been received by the the person being gifted oh, or the detestability of a gift uh, that was given by a person to their children whether or not it was taken back and the detestability of purchasing something that somebody had given as charity in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the one that it was given to uh, or was taken out from their zakat or was taken out by from a kafara, some penalty expiation, ritual expiation and then Imam Nawi leaves a little note, he says but it's okay to buy something like that back from somebody else so for example you gifted something to somebody and then they sold it to a third party or they gifted it to a third party, then you can buy it from them. Or if you gave sadaqah of something to somebody and then they gave it to a third party, um, you can buy it from them. So there are two issues that are being dealt with here. One is something that's given in sadaqah. When you give it to somebody, you don't, or when you give a gift, sorry, to somebody, you don't take it back. When you give sadaqah to somebody, you don't take it back. And when you sell something, or sorry, uh, so those are two separate, those are the two separate issues. One is something that's gifted, and the other thing is the thing that's given in Salafah. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala alladhi ya'udhu fi hibatihi kal kalbi yarji'u fi qayihi muttafaqun alayhi wa fi riwayatan mathalu alladhi yarji'u fi sadaqatihi ka mathal al kalbi yaqi'u thumma ya'udhu fi qayihi fi ya'kuluhu. وفي رواية العائد في هبته كالعائد في قيئه سيدنا عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنه عنهما he said the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said the person who takes back a gift is like a dog that takes back its vomit so it's the thing, the person who would do that is a bad person, and the thing that they're taking bad is, back is bad, it's not good. Uh, and in a narration uh, that's even more explicit than that, and both of them, it's narrated both in Bukhari and Muslim, and in another narration, the likeness of a person who uh, takes back their sadaqah, their charity, is like a dog that vomits and then uh, uh, goes back to its vomit and eats it. Uh, and then in another narration, uh, it said that the person who goes back on their gift is like a person who uh, goes back, like returns back their vomit into their mouth. Uh, so this, there's a little bit of fiqh that is connected with this. I guess most of you guys are 
students of knowledge, so you already read this, but I was surprised when I first read it because I guess you don't really think about these things uh, unless you like get go to fifth. When you give someone a gift, the, 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 the ownership of that thing is transferred completely to them. So this whole thing, you have like an expectation about something, you give someone a gift and there's an expectation about it um, that they'll use it well or they'll use it in a particular way or they'll honor it or they'll this or they'll that. Those have no legal reality whatsoever. Rather, the legal reality of a, a gift is what? It's the complete <coughs> transfer of ownership from some, one person to another without anything, um, without anything being expected in return. Um, and it's different in many ways from sale. The sale is what? Like the legal transfer of one thing in lieu of another. Whereas with the, with the hiba, it's like, it's, uh, with the gift, it's like what? It's like one person gives something to the other person and there's no, there's no, it's clear that there's nothing expected back from that person. Uh, that's getting, getting the gift. And so if a person, for example, you give them, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, it's unreasonable for you, at least legally speaking, for you to expect that they're going to frame that bill. They're going to keep that bill and cherish that bill and kiss that bill and hug that bill and treat it with honor and respect and talk about it and this and that and the other thing. You know, it's unreasonable for you to expect that that person is going to do anything with that bill. You might want them to go and pay their tuition with it. They may want to go to roast with their friends. You know, it's really once you gift it to them, that's it. There's no strings attached to it. Or what's better for a person? You can talk about that, right? But they also have their opinion as well of what's better for them. Your opinion may be right, but still they get to choose for themselves. Uh, and so that's, that's the reality of gift, gifting. Obviously, there's all sorts of like a person has in their mind the idea of what would be best in such a scenario. My advice to somebody who wants to give a gift to another person is to get all that stuff out of your head. Why? Because the tashbih the that the Rasul he gives to a person who comes back, you know, takes their, their gift back is what, like a dog who vomits and then he goes and eats his own vomit. So the tashbih is bad for both the giver and it's bad for the, the thing as well, right? So what is, what is like a step up from that? Be the dog who vomits and like, then moves along. That's one step, incrementally it's better, one step better than what the dog who uh, vomits and then eats his vomit. The gift being vomit itself is a you know it's it's something that that kind of explains to you what the value of the the dunya is anyway and so you'll see this many mashayikh are very quick to give gifts they're very quick to give anything that they have in fact there's so many mashayikh their 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 word for giving gifts was uh, something extraordinary and it's something that they got from the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he's one of his sifat rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam one of his sifat is that that nobody would come to him to visit except for they would, um, that he would give them something. If he didn't have anything material to give, he would make sure at least to give some sort of nasiha or some sort of dua or some sort of something that, that a service that has some sort of value in it, whether it's material if possible, and if that's not possible, then something spiritual. But he would not leave anybody <coughs> empty-handed. So you and me also should not leave anybody empty-handed. It doesn't mean you have to give somebody everything you have. The Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi used to give everything, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to give something, you, you know, like everything you have. For example, if you say, I, I have like $1,000 in the bank, 
I want to follow this sunnah, but my rent is $1,000 and it's due like in three days and I have no other money coming in. That's fine. Don't give them, don't give them a dollar even because you're going to get evicted, right? And you don't want to get evicted. You're not going to be able to cope with getting evicted and it's also a breach of contract with your landlord. That's fine. But if somebody asks you for something on the street, what is the attitude many people have? Oh, just don't give them anything. They use it for drugs. If you give, make dua for them, are they going to use that for drugs too? I mean, you can still give something. You still buy someone food. You can still do something for somebody if you really wanted to. Um, and you're not required to do anything. But the sunnah is what? You should give something. And so this is, you know, uh, for example, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one time he was in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, someone came to ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa for something and he had literally, literally legitimately had nothing to give. Uh, so he made dua for them, or he said, can I offer you some advice? And they're like, no thanks, you can keep your advice. Because they were salty that they didn't get like money, or like they didn't get food or something like that that they wanted. So Sayyidina Abu Musa says, I'll take it, Ya Rasulullah. And so the Prophet was happy with him, he's pleased with him that this guy gets it. Um, likewise, there are many stories of the Mashaykh that somebody would ask them for something, and if they had nothing to give, it would grate on them so hard, it would grate on them so hard that I have nothing to give this person. They would go and like take loans from people in order to uh, in order to give something there's this story is uh, there's interesting stories Khaja Baqi Billah Rahimullah Tabarak wa Ta'ala the Shaykh of Mujaddid Afthani Shaykh Ahmed Sarhandi very interesting story about him somebody came and asked him for something he had nothing to give and so he like borrowed something from his neighbor it's a really interesting story maybe a little bit too much to say so we won't say the rest of it but interesting story uh, Shaykh Sari uh, Saqati uh, the uncle of Junaid and the, 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 the Sheikh of Junaid as well Junaid was his greatest disciple he himself same thing one of the awliya was passing by they have nothing to someone asked them for something they have nothing to give so they walked in and knew that Junaid that Sarri is a good guy so he walked into a shop said hey do you have anything I can give this person like some, even just something to eat or whatever and he's like sure he goes I had my lunch he goes I just thought I'll skip my lunch just give him my lunch and that's it you know and uh, um, he, he, said, he said that uh, that he made dua for me that Allah Ta'ala exalt my rank. He says that ever since the, the day he made that dua, nothing in my dunya ever went right again. That's a whole other issue, right? Is that the tasawuf that's uh, of the awalin that's written in the old books, um, that's something that's almost like something you have to visit in a museum now. Because even people, they don't, their istidad is so low, everybody thinks that I'm going to like read the Futuhat Makiya and become Sheikh Al-Akbar tomorrow or whatever. And uh, uh, not that I recommend that or whatever. I'm just saying that like people have these kind of weird, fantastic like ideas in their head, and uh, people like they start, they start, they take bayah not with the purpose of rectifying themselves or with the purpose of learning how to make zikr, but because they imagine somehow this is going to end in me becoming a sheikh or whatever, uh, um, which is really horrible. Uh, and in fact, it's not even a good way of becoming a sheikh because most of the people who are big sheikhs now. Uh, they, you know, they didn't waste their time being zikr. They have like really nice uh, websites and YouTube accounts and things like that, right? So if you want to do it, do do it that way, right? If that's what you want, then that's a you know, that's that's a really great way of. I know a bunch of Muslim influencers that probably have more murids now than anybody who knows Alif Batata. But the point is, is what? The point is, is that that uh, um, these stories like that. It's fine. A person shouldn't know that they exist, so a person can understand what the pr proper and correct trajectory is and what 
you know, what you're kind of like searching for in terms of, of, of what the journey toward Allah Ta'ala looks like when you go in the further reaches. Very few people will get beyond like uh, very rudimentary or even uh, remedial lessons uh, on that path. The point is, is this is that giving is a very important part of being a good person. And it's a skill. And if you give too much, you'll put yourself in the hole. And if you don't give anything, you also put yourself in the hole. And it is vomit at the end of the day. What is it? You ate too much. So you need to get rid of some of it. So if you have enough, then the rest of it you should give away. Don't try to, you know, if you vomit it out, don't try to, don't try to eat it again. Uh, that's, like, I guess, the point. Um, and then, the, the, you know, being the dog, that's, a, I guess, a different topic. We can talk about some other time. When Umar ibn al-Khattabi and Umar ibn al-Khattabi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala hamaltu ala farasin fi sabilillahi fa'adha'uhu alladhi kana indahu fa'aradtu an ashtariyahu wa dhanantu annahu yabi'uhu birukhsin fa'sa'altu al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa'qala la tashtarih wa la tu'ud fi sadaqatik wa in a'atakahu bidirhamin فإن العائد في صدقته كالعائد في قيئه متفق عليه وقوله حملت على فرس في سبيل الله معناه تصدقت به على بعض المجاهدين. So the first hadith talked about hiba, talked about a gift. One fiqhi issue before we translate the second hadith is that he mentioned in the title the difference between giving the gift to your child versus giving it to somebody else. And he mentioned what the word karahiya that something is, is makru, right? Is makru. Giving a gift to somebody else is affected. The transaction is complete when they take possession of that gift. After that, it's their property. Before that, it's makru to, to like take it back. After that, there is no taking it back in the sense that it's you know like it's their property. They can do what they want. Uh, you're gonna have to like fight them for it or whatever, and the judge will rule in their favor. And the difference between a person with just a random other person versus with their own progeny is that they can take a gift back from their own progeny, and it's makru at that point. It's not, uh, uh, it's not haram. It's not like they're taking. You know, it doesn't have the same hukum because of the special relationship between parents and children. Children and there may be some difference of opinion between the madhahib with regards to this masala. You can look that up in the in in, in the fifth class. So the reason he says makruh is what is be, this is before uh, uh, irrevocable irrevocable possession is taken. After irrevocable possession is taken of something, at that time then at that point then taking it back is just plain haram. Uh, and now this is a hadith that was about gifts. This is a hadith about sadaqah that Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala who said that I had uh, I had given somebody a horse uh, to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, I g- provided conveyance uh, to somebody who wanted to go out as a mujahid in the path of Allah ta'ala uh, by giving a horse to somebody and that person had not taken care of it very well like having a horse is difficult imagine like all these hadiths about like people, you know, eating one day to day and half a day to day and giving sadaqah like one day and half a day because it's legit all they had to give. Um, so imagine it's difficult to like feed a horse, right? And Madina Munawara, it's not like it's just like, uh, uh, 
you know, like some sort of like Illinois State Park that there's just grass and vegetation all around that people can eat uh, or that animals can eat. In fact, that was a big thing. People used to get into fights over grazing land uh, for their animals. Uh, and they used to move l really long distances from place to place to go and uh, let their animals graze. So uh, finding enough for the, the horse to eat, that's one of the reasons why the horse gets uh, uh, two shares and the fighter gets one in, in Ghanima. Uh, so he, he didn't take good care of it. He let it, let, let it waste away. So Sayyidina Umar who said that I, I wanted to buy it back from him because he wasn't able to take care of it very well. And I, I thought that this guy will for sure sell it to me cheap, like he's not going to drive a hard bargain with me. So I uh, mentioned it to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, I asked him وسلم, what he thought about it and he said don't buy it and don't ever go back on your charity that you gave he says even if he get, gives it to you for just one dirham for like 15 bucks like even if he gives you for, for a ridiculously low price don't take it from him why? because the person who goes back on his charity is uh, like a person who just goes back for his vomit so the same, it's the same tashbih it's the same uh, 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 simile uh, that was in the previous hadith. It's muttafaqun alayhi both in Sahih Bukhari and uh, uh, Sahih Muslim. And so, you know, that's a big that's a big deal, mashallah. That's, uh, um, you know, to give somebody a horse in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a big deal. Uh, and so he, you know, that's also a type of sadaqah that, that, you know, deserves its own special discussion. But maybe now is not the time or place. Babu ta'kidi tahrimi ma'al yateem. قال الله تعالى إن الذين يأكلون أموال اليتامى ظلما إنما ظلما إنما يأكلون في بطونهم نارا نارا وسيصلون سعيرا وقال تعالى ولا تقربوا مال اليتيم إلا بالتي هي أحسن وقال تعالى ويسألونك عن اليتامى قل إصلاح لهم خير وإن تخالطوهم فإخوانكم والله يعلم المفسد من المصلح the chapter regarding the emphasis uh, of the prohibition or the inviolability of the wealth of an orphan. This is relevant, mashallah, uh, because for so many reasons, but as Ramadan is coming up, a lot of people are going to start fundraising. And uh, sadly, that space also, uh, there are a lot of people who need a little bit of adjustment in the way they deal with things and the way they, they process things. Uh, Allah Most High says, indeed, those who consume the wealth of orphans uh, in transgression, meaning in a way that's not, it's not okay, it's not permissible, uh, they do nothing except for eat fire in their bellies and they will be... Uh, uh, roasted in a blaze. Uh, Ibn Allan, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions that their uh, picture or their form in which they are going to come forth on the Day of Judgment is that they will be burning inside and the fire will come out from their mouths and from their uh, uh, ears and from their eyes and from every orifice. Uh, it's just going to be fire coming out from them uh, because of the illicit wealth that they consumed uh, and Allah Ta'ala uh, says in uh, 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 Surah Al-An'am uh, he says that do not come close, don't even come close to the wealth of an orphan except for in the most beautiful way possible meaning what? 
He says, "Kahivlihi watafimirihi," like in every way, in every way, shape, or form, in the way you protect it, uh, in the way it's invested, right? Because you don't just take somebody has a huge sum of money. If someone has a hundred dollar bill, you should keep it in your pocket or keep it in a safe place. Somebody has a hundred thousand dollars, you don't just like leave it in the bank. What do you do? You put it in some sort of investment. The investments nowadays are like have to do with like real estate and stocks and things like that. In the old days, how did people used to invest their money? You go buy buy animals, and the herd, you know, rolls around. From the herd, you pay the you pay somebody to watch over it, or you buy again like real estate and you put it up for rent, or a shop and you put it up for rent, or things like that. Right. So there's a when there's a uh, uh, an orphan, ideally there there should be a guardian that's assigned to that orphan. And so whatever inheritance the orphan has, they make the decision, is this best to be kept in the form of cash? And then in that case, they have to store it and keep it. Is it best to be kept as an investment? And then they have to manage that investment. Now, not everybody can do that for free. Some people can. I mean, it's like you're a relative or something like that, and you're already a businessman who has money invested in different places, then you can do it for free. Or maybe you can't, but maybe you can. Whereas if you're like one person in a in a in a in an area and there's a lot of orphans, you have to watch over. It becomes like a full time job checking up on all of these things. In that case, it's permissible to take take money from the money that's uh, that's there, and it, it makes you know again it makes sense differently. For example, if there's a hundred dollars and you're going to charge ten dollars an hour to guard it, then that's not right. But if it's a huge sum of money or a large sum of money or a large amount of pooled funds that you're managing somehow or another for a number of people then it's per- permissible for a person to take a reasonable pay for it but the point is أحسن, is that don't manage it in a way that you would not like your money to be managed or the money of your children if you if they were orphans to be managed this is this is something very common sense is a very common sense standard but sadly common sense is not all that common anymore and people don't think about it and so what happens is you have people who work in the nonprofit sector and the way that they manage funds is you know they take a very uh, conciliatory conciliatory approach to their own nafs and they take a very entitled approach to the funds and they end up like wasting all of them and the issue is this is that like okay if you do it for example with robot like you know I go and lease a uh, brand new Tesla for because I need to come and go to Rabat, right? And of course, it's on off hours, I should be able to use it myself later as well, right? Or something like that. Okay, maybe if this was like a multi-million dollar operation, maybe someone could make an argument for that, right? But it's not. It would basically like consume like all the money that, 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 that comes into it, uh, if even not being able to, even if it got to that level ever. Um, so that, that's, that's wrong, but the victim is who the victim is there's the victim in terms of you know uh, real people is maybe some people who come to like dars once a week some weeks in the month right uh, it's bad it's still haram it's still horrible god protect us from any of these other things i would rather work at starbucks especially even knowing that it's a boycott i'd still rather work at starbucks than abuse like the money of sadaqa but like you know it's bad in the case of a yatim, there's actually actually a real person who's like suffering from it, and that person is not only just a human being; they're like the most uh, vulnerable and uh, of human beings, and the one that has nobody to defend them. So it takes like a special type of scumbag to do that type of thing, and it's really it's really problematic. But here we are; we have people who do that, and this is this is the issue. For example, if you walk into if I walk into a masjid, 
and I tell people, Rebot, we have Darce there, please give. You'll get a certain amount. If I walk in and say, here's orphans, I'll make a, I'll bring in a lot more money. And I know this when I used to work at Islamic Relief, which was a long time ago, you know. Uh, but when I used to work work at Islamic Relief, they used to tell us at some point, please, for the sake of the Lord, stop raising money for orphans. Because we need money for other funds and other accounts, and everyone's giving for orphans. The problem is this, is that like it's a kind of modern-run uh, 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 organization as well. So your stats in the organization are pegged to the dollar amount that you bring in. And you know that whenever you say orphans, whenever you say yatim, bam, this is a hadith, mashallah, like every person who ever worked for Islamic relief, they know this hadith this much. They're Bukhari and Muslim when it comes to this hadith, you know. Uh, 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 everybody becomes shafi when it comes to this hadith, right? Because uh, you know the people will give. And they give remarkable amounts of money. And so to abuse that and then to try to like eat off the top of that is really scummy. And I actually was a bad Islamic relief employee. Uh, some people will say that for reasons that I don't think are reasonable, but like, I'll tell you why. Like, I remember one time we went to a place where <laughs> we went to a place where they said, "Okay, we, we're going to give X number of dollars for uh, uh, for like your whatever orphan funds or whatever," and so we want you to come pick it up. And it was out of town. I had to like go to like fly somewhere and then come get the money. And then, but there's a ceremony. We want you to attend the ceremony. We're gonna we want you to go pick it up. So I had like a calculation in terms of like how much like money I would spend in order to get money. You know what I mean? Like how much it cost to like go there, come back, you know, and this and that. If it wasn't worth it, I'd be like, look, sorry, you know, we can't do that. Why? Because at some point or another, then the fundraising becomes cyclical. And actually the nonprofit sector in America is really horrible. And sadly, the Muslim uh, f- fundraising uh, shtick is just as, just as bad, if not worse. But it's like a slot machine, you know, a slot machine. Like, you put in a, a dollar and it pays out like 97 cents. Uh, you're like, oh, wow, you're going to get most of your money back. Yeah, actually, they're just getting eating money for free. It's just that the rate, you know, as long as things like lights and noises can entertain you and like dopamine, like, uh, game you long enough, they're basically getting money for free for, for doing nothing, right? Sadly, this is how, how a lot of the nonprofit sector works. If someone comes to raise money, for, okay, we're going to open the first masjid in Mars. Okay, Jello Tiga. You know, and so we need this many, uh, uh, you know, $100,000, million dollars for the first masjid in Mars. Get the, you know, and the brothers and sisters, I have a great thing for you. It comes up on YouTube when you're trying to watch your, like, Islamic content or whatever. And then, like, you know, like, imagine the Adhan is being called on Mars and you get the reward for it. And this is the Rasulullah's dream and this and that. And, the, and like, they're going to, like, every, like, you know, and fine. You, you want to open a masjid on Mars. Good. You know, it's, like there, it's, it's a good thing. Maybe if people are on Mars, they'll pray there. you get so out for it. It's not like a horrible thing, right? But what happens? They're going to fly from, they're going to come to Earth to do chanda, like, on a weekend at Masjid Usman. They're going to get, like, whatever, like, $4,000 at Jummah. And they'll fly back to Mars. Lord knows how much it costs to come, you know what I mean? How much it costs to do all of that, and the person who's doing it, are they a volunteer, are they not a volunteer? You know, who, who is it, you know? And what ends up happening, your percentages end up getting skewed really bad. Sometimes some things, they won't get done until someone does something like that. I may have my opinion whether it's good or bad. At the end of the day, I won't speak bad about those people so much. Why? Because at the end of the day, a person should give. If they want to give, and if they don't want to give, just make, give du'a and move on. 
and everyone should ask these questions also like how is this coming to me like how am i seeing these ads on youtube how am i seeing these ads on google how am i seeing this? who's paying for them how much does it cost every dollar i give how much of it goes into the actual like you know into like building some sort of like a thing that looks like a like mughal architecture you know on in mars and how much of it is actually just going into like google and adsense and things like that questions people should ask they ask they don't ask what can you do you know people should also like i don't know uh cut down carbs and like do weight training resistance training like twice a week but you know there's so many so many things they should do but they don't so uh, uh that's that's one thing but then to super emotionally blackmail the smack out of people which you know some of it is okay like they are orphans right people should feel bad for not taking care of them but then at the end of it, like to, you know, take everyone takes their cut and then uh, they throw back pennies on the dollar or they go into loss because of it. That's really problematic. That's not billati hiya ahsan. That even you make, you, you could say, although very few people, if anyone really uh, actually discloses the cost, the true cost of doing business, people do weird tricks in order to hide them and they give numbers out, out in public, which are not really uh, accurate reflections of things. But even if they are, that's still not billati hiya ahsan, is it? It's not in the best way possible, the most beautiful way possible. A person wouldn't like that their own money be uh, spent like that. Uh, and uh, it's not the best. We're not doing our best. We're not, we're not, we're, we should hold ourselves to a, a higher standard. Now, I'm a little bit reticent to say some of these things. I want to say some of these things because I know a lot of people are really fleecing the public. But I also don't want to say some of these things. Why? Because what happens, sometimes you mention what the fleecers are doing, and then the people who are doing a legitimate job, you end up hurting them. On the flip side, you don't want to cover for the people who are doing a legitimate job because then you enable the fleecers uh, at some point or another. And then the, 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 the layer on top of all of it is that doing work is hard. You will have an idea in your mind how much of the percentage of like every dollar you give should go to the orphans, but the, sadly, in the real world, it's a little bit lower than that. Until or unless somebody wants to volunteer uh, and like sacrifice their time, effort, energy, life in order to make it happen in a more efficient way, which the Ummah has people like that and it had a lot more people like that at some point or another, but whatever, this poverty has crept into not just our pockets, but into our hearts um, that we no longer do stuff like this anymore. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so it's, it's depressingly, it's more expensive to do business than, than a person thinks. Uh, and these things happen. So, like, I'm reticent to mention it, but the point is, if you ever do something yourself, this is this information not so much for us criticizing other people, but it is for ourselves that if we have any ideas we want to do something, this is how you're going to do it. This is the correct way of doing it. Uh, and so, uh, um, and so, be aware of that. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, he says they ask you about um, the orphans. Say. Uh, Islah, to, to fix things for them, to rectify their affair is good. And if you uh, wish to mix with them, uh, uh, then they are your, your siblings. Uh, and uh, mix with them as if they're your siblings. And the mix means something, I'll get back to it. And Allah knows the difference between the person who is a mischief maker and a person who's making things better. And so, if you mix with them means, in this case, if you mix your money with them with their money so there's two models right one is that a, a, a guardian is doing it for the sake of Allah because they want to take care of the orphans that's their service they don't pay anything for the orphan out of their pocket but they volunteer their time effort oversight you know to make sure that they don't get ripped off and cheated the second model is what is that 
I can't afford even to do that. So what am I what what am I gonna do? I'm gonna eat from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some money for the work that I do, but uh, uh, in the best way possible. He says that both of these. He says what's best is to do it as the volunteer. What's second best is to uh, uh, to you know take it take from it, but in the best way possible. And Allah knows the difference between the person who's taking in order to just cause mischief, meaning eat, erode and caustically eat away at the the wealth of the orphan, and who's just doing it because this is the best thing possible that they can do, and they're trying to do it in the best way. So khalt is what is mixing the wealth of the orphan with the wealth of the uh, with the wealth of the guardian, and it is permissible. How how is like a, a shakal a surah like that a, a, a mode that it could be in? For example, if someone says, "I will," uh, uh, you know, like I'm I'm an orphan and Abdullah has a house, so Abdullah says, "Okay, look, I you know I I can't afford to just like keep him on 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 the books for free. I wish I could, but I can't." Um, and uh, he has you know he has his own wealth anyway, so. What we'll do is this: is he can stay in, in in the house, and I'll take care of him. But it's going to cost thousand dollars a month. For a thousand dollars a month, he'll get food, lodging. I'll take him to school, bring him back. You know everything. Uh, and the ikhwanukum fiddin, meaning I'll treat him like you know he'll be a kid, in, or he'll treat me like I'll, I'm a kid in his house, and he'll treat me like all of his other kids, right? That we, you mix as equals with uh, one another. You treat each other like you would want to be treated yourself. You treat other people's children like you'd want your own children to be treated. You treat other people's sisters like you uh, you uh, 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 want your sisters to be treated, etc., etc. So that's the uh, uh, that's the model put forth by the Quran. That even then, that's permissible because it's recognized that it's a necessity. Otherwise, what will happen? Nobody will touch the orphan with a ten foot pole. They're going to be sitting outside with like a hundred you know gold coins on the street corner, and what happens happens. Uh, that's also not a that's also not a good thing. And the people who take care of it's like imagine you have some orphan in your house. Oh look, you're getting a thousand dollars a month. That's great, right? It's not easy. This country has this country has such a huge foster care system. Their short term foster care. I mean, the foster care system doesn't just have orphans. Sadly, has people with parents who are alive but like remarkably dysfunctional or you know criminal problems or this or that. You know. And there are people who take care of the, the foster kids as well. And sometimes those people actually get paid by the state and they get paid well. They get paid well. But it's still, even if someone pays you a lot, it's still not easy to have like another person in your, your house. And people have emotional issues. They've lost their parents. They're going to have some emotional issues. Obviously, they're not going to just be like, you know, skippy-dee-doo-da. Like, you know, for, for it's, there's going to be issues. There's going to be times the kids are going to cry. There's going to be times the kids are going to act out. When your kids act out, you're like, oh, it's my kids. You know, you have a different mindset to it. Someone else's kids, it's difficult to, to deal with um, uh, for people. Some people, it's difficult to deal with their own kids when they act out. You know, they don't know how to deal with it properly, right? So even those people, it's not like they're just 100% evil because, oh, you should be doing it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Okay, if you can do it, go for it. That's like a even higher thing but people shouldn't look down on this in fact if we took care of one another uh, and we knew how to take care of one another then uh, um, uh, and, and if we knew how to take care of one another it would be a much more cohesive uh, uh, community that we have and our community definitely lacks cohesion and that ta'asub that we lack that's a kind of more a Khaldunian discussion not for this time but it's, it is important um, it, it is important and it is kind of necessary for to keep some sort of minimum bar for spirituality. One of the things I want to point out right now is if 
this is the case for a yatim. That there's permission in the Quran, even though to wrongly consume their money is considered to be like eating fire, you the jahannam inside of your uh, stomach, inside of your body cavity. But there is permission for a proper type of uh, a proper type of consumption when they are put under guardianship. Then we should also think about that with. Uh, our relatives and with one another as well that don't consume one another's uh, don't consume one another's wealth wrongfully don't consume one don't impose yourself on one another wrongfully and don't take it poorly if somebody if you like you know because this is the issue especially when we come from like old cultures tribal type cultures or uh, like ossified cultures like Desi culture and things like that where people have these relationships and there are expectations that come with these relationships, but those expectations are not bad. I'm not trying to say because people like, oh look, this is not Islam, this is culture. Shut up, man! Like culture, with you, you live in some sort of like sanitized vacuum, like abstract vacuum. No, you know, what I will say is that sometimes cultural expectations are calibrated for what, for a time and place, and for circumstances that don't exist anymore. Uh, so don't don't do this, you know. Like even if you're <coughs> staying with your brother, even if you're staying with your parents, even if your parents are staying with you, you're staying with your children. If you're, don't come with expectations and put burden on people. Even if you stay the weekend with your your brother, it's one thing. Okay, your brother like you know owns like whatever like ten percent of Tesla, and like you stay the weekend with him. In that case, if he says it's okay, you know you stay with him. No problem, it's okay. If you know you work, he works. You struggle, he struggles. You pay rent, he pays rent. You know. Then don't don't eat from uh, uh, one another uh, uh, without without necessity. Don't be a burden on one another without necessities. It's still problematic. And the person who can stay away from those things, then when they come to a yatim, then they'll have the habits and the mindset in place uh, to know how to manage things because they know what it means to like take care of another person. What another person's needs are, they're attenuated to them. It's not some uh, you know if you deal with the society through expectation. And you're not going to know then how to like serve someone's needs when the expectation is zero. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اجتنبوا السبع السبع الموبقات قالوا يا رسول الله وما هن قال الشرك بالله والسحر وقتل النفس التي حرم الله إلا إلا بالحق وأكل الربا وأكل مال اليتيم والتولي يوم الزحف وقذف المحصنات المؤمنات الغافلات متفق عليه والموبقات المهلكات. So the Rasul صلى الله عليه وسلم Sayyidina Muhrayr who narrates that the Prophet said, stay away from seven uh, things that destroy. So this is an expression even in, in English, it's a seven deadly sins. Although I don't think the Christians have exactly the same list as, as we do. Um, but uh, it says the seven, seven things that destroy. And so he says that, uh, uh, what are they? Uh, the they, companions asked what are they O Messenger of Allah and he said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to associate partners with Allah Ta'ala 
um, and uh, sorcery and to kill uh, another soul that Allah has uh, made unlawful except for um, except for by uh, uh, its, its haq and uh, the uh, consumption of the wealth of an orphan and running away uh, on the day of uh, on the day of uh, battle and wrongful accusation of uh, a uh, the believing uh, Muslim women al-ghafilat uh, even if they are heedless because a woman like does something that out of heedlessness that opens her up to some sort of accusation but she, she did it out of heedlessness uh, but the accusation is for anyone uh, and here al-ghafilat yani ay ramil mu'minat al-ghawafila amma yurma bihi min al-zina bil-zina وَذَلِكَ مِنَ الْكَبَائِرِ He says that the غَافِلَاتِ غاف, meaning behind their backs to, that they, they're unaware of the accusation that's being thrown around about them. And this is one of the amazing things about the civilization of Islam is that قَدْفَ zina is itself a sin that's like has corporal punishment so people don't throw like mudsling at one another. If, you, if someone something happened you got to speak up about it right away. And if you bury it to the point where there's no way that it can be um, investigated or litigated in any conclusive way, then just let it go because nothing can happen. People are like, oh, you know, this thing happened to so-and-so and they didn't speak up at the time because they're paralyzed and they're this and they're that. That's fine. That happens. It's unfortunate when it happens. And I have a lot of sympathy for people to whom it happens. But that being said, in order to open up that box, it should be clear to anybody that, like, you know, making accusations like, you know, well, you know, like what Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice, when they were, uh, uh, you know, and I don't particularly like or dislike the guy. I'm just saying, you know, like when they, when he was, or endorse or uh, oppose his nomination or whatever. But when they were, when they were uh, doing the Senate confirmation hearings. They're interviewing a girl who's like, yeah, 25 years ago, uh, we were at like a pool party and we were in a room and I, he was wearing a swimsuit and I was wearing a bikini and we were both drunk and then he did this. You tell me, how, how in the world are you going to be able to evaluate what happened, what didn't happen, objectively? You're going to take one person's word or you're going to take another person's word if the principle in the law is that it's better to let a guilty party uh, uh, go free than to uh, uh, punish uh, an innocent party, then even bringing things up like this are like really problematic. Uh, and because they're so sensitive, they're so sensitive. These issues, issues like this, are so sensitive. Um, once the accusation is out of the bag, everybody will think, "Oh, look, this person is like this. This person is like that." And uh, what happens is that the whole society, when it fills with the, to the brim with accusations like that, then people are like, well, everybody's like that. And they actually start behaving like that. Uh, and so this is, uh, you know, I think this is something that's really beautiful about the civilization of Islam, is that you can't really just go around talking smack like that. You know, if something happens, you know, it should be clear. And if not, then don't bring it up. Uh, but the reason that this hadith was mentioned in this bab is what? Is because uh, he mentions in it the tahrim of the aklumal yatim.
وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين